What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Bogert, and I'm here with you today on the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hoolan. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everybody, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin. So happy you decided to join us today. And with us is my guest, Brian Bogert. Brian, how are you? Man, I'm excited to be here with you today. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here, and I'm certain the listeners will be just as thrilled by the time we finish today. So to let everybody know a little bit about Brian, he is, and I am taking this directly from his website uh, because he said it very well there. He is a passionate performance coach, motivational speaker, business strategist, and philanthropic leader who believes in helping growth-minded individuals achieve the best version of themselves or stated another way, their most authentic selves. Now, those sound great, but all of you know who listen to this on a regular basis. He has two other titles that I'm going to share with you, but I imagine are the most important to him, and those are husband and dad. They absolutely are the most important to me. I appreciate you calling those out because not everybody does, but I had a conversation with somebody last week. Uh, you know, I actually have husband and father on my LinkedIn tagline, right? It's, it's very important to me. I want the world to know that, and I had a conversation with somebody last week that was one of the first folks I had seen that had husband and father on there as well. And I, I, we had a conversation about it because it's about, you know, how do we show up in the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it directly ties into what this particular show is all about. We call it relationships and revenue. And that's because we believe that relationships are super important and they start at home because if we want to be the best entrepreneurs that we can possibly be, we got to have our relationships right at home. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's an area that I invest a ton of time and energy, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. That's right. That's right. So, all right, Brian, you teach people how to leverage radical authenticity and awareness to create the intentional lives that they've dreamed of by embracing pain to avoid suffering. Now, that's your thing, man. So you got to flesh that out for us. What do you mean when you say that? Embrace the pain to avoid suffering. Yeah, so I've got to give, I've got to tell you a story and give you a little context on me for that yeah, to make sense. Absolutely. So let me Please start do. there if, if you'll indulge me on that path for the moment. Um, I want everybody to just close their eyes for one second and I'll tell you when I open them. And I want you to imagine walking out of a store after a successful shopping trip, heading to your car, turning your head, and seeing a truck barreling 40 miles an hour right at you with no time to react. Ooh. Go ahead and open your eyes. That's where this portion of my story begins. My mom, my brother, and I went to our local Walmart to get a one inch paintbrush. And, you know, of course, I was the first one to the car because I've always been full of energy and excitement. And I get to the car and I'm waiting for my mom and brother to, to catch up to unlock the doors. This was before we had key fobs and could do it from across the parking lot. Right. Right. So I'm standing there and as I'm waiting, a truck pulls up in front of the Walmart and the driver and middle passenger get out. The passenger all the way to the right feels the truck moving backwards. So he did what any one of us would do. And he moves over to put his foot on the brake. But he instead hit the gas. Oh. Combination of shock and force threw him up onto the dashboard. And before you know it, he's catapulting 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at us. Oh. Now we were parked in an end spot. And so he went up and over the median, went up under the tree in the median, hit our car, threw me to the ground, ran over me diagonally, tore my spleen, left a tire track scar on my stomach and continued on to completely sever my left arm from my body. Oh, wow. Now, clearly it's been reattached, right? My mom and brother watched this whole thing happen. And as I'm laying there in the parking lot on a 115 degree day in the middle of August in Arizona with mm -hmm. my arm 10 feet away, fortunately, my guardian angel also watched it happen. Yeah. She immediately rushed into action. It was a nurse that saw the whole thing take place, saw the life and limb scenario in front of her mm -hmm. and immediately came over to stop the bleeding on my arm and instructed some innocent bystanders to grab a cooler, fill it with ice and get my arm on ice within minutes. Had she not done one or both of those things, I either wouldn't be here with you today, John, or I'd be here with you today, but without an arm, right? She, she literally saved my life and my limb. And Absolutely. yes, that was the beginning of a whole lot of other pieces. 
And so I'll expedite the rest of the story because I'm sure when you asked me that question and when people <laughs> heard you ask that question, they're like, they weren't expecting that story, right? No, and, of course not. And I know I have an extremely unique story. Yeah. But what I've learned in all this time is that we all have unique stories. What's important is that we pause and become aware of the lessons we can extract from our stories mm-hmm. and then become intentional with how we apply them in our lives. And we all have the ability to do that. And we have the ability to tap into the collective wisdom. So I have two lessons. One of them is what you just shared. But the first is I learned not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but get moved by what I could do with it. Okay. And the second, which you indicated in the question, I didn't realize until far later, right? I, I lived a lot of those post-accident years in a fog, but my parents mm-hmm. did not. But what they ingrained in me by their actions is where this concept came from. You see, they, the idea of their son growing up without the use of his left arm was a source of great suffering for them. Sure. And so they willed themselves day in and day out to embrace the pains that were necessary to ultimately heal me, to mm. put themselves in massive amount of discomfort and try to manage everything that was going on in the world to ultimately strengthen me. So what they really taught me and ingrained in me was this philosophy of embrace pain to avoid suffering. And when I believe that's done right, you also gain freedom. So it's the same concept, which I'm going to answer your question and explain in a second, but it's the same concept that helped me not only overcome this unique injury, but how my business partners and I built our last business from a quarter million to 15 million in the span of a decade and how I've now flipped it on its head and have helped hundreds of individuals and organizations become more aware, more intentional in who they already are. So you asked, what does this mean? What does embrace pain, avoid suffering mean, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll give you a couple of examples. And then further on in the dialogue, we can really unpack where this came from and how we structured it. But we can embrace the pain of hitting the gym for 30 minutes a day yep. to avoid the suffering of aches and pains of a sedentary lifestyle. Right. We can embrace the pain of the fit our kid is sure to throw by having them put away their mobile device at the dinner table to avoid the suffering of years of meaningful connection and lost conversation with our children. We can embrace the pain of those difficult conversations with our spouses or loved ones to avoid the suffering of a loveless marriage that either ends in divorce or being stuck in a marriage when we really want a divorce. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You raised your hand, but how often do we avoid those moments? Right. And then to give a business example so that people can really recognize this as well, we can embrace the pain as a business owner of firing our top salesperson, even though they're the greatest area for top line growth to avoid the suffering of stagnant growth, losing all of our other top talent because they're the biggest cancer in our society or in our culture. Right. Right. So what I'm really encouraging us to do is to take a step back and realize that the world tells us to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain. I'm telling us that we must learn to embrace pain as a critical tool in our path to success. Yeah. Amen, man. Bring it. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Yeah. That, that is definitely a message that we don't hear very often. Um, Yeah. I would say that there are pockets of it that we hear, you know, folks who like you have that unique story that are so convinced that it is so important to get out there that they've made it their mission in life to get it out there. Even if those who are in charge of broadcasting it aren't on board with it. It's like, all right, I'll find another way. I'll find another way. And this of course is one way for you through this medium, which is fantastic because it's an opportunity to impact our listeners. And one of the things that I love about this show, and I, I hear about this anecdotally, is, you know, there's only so many people that I personally can reach. But I've heard of several episodes that we've done in the past. It's like, oh, you have to listen to this and share the link and share the yeah. link. And somebody listens like, oh, this would talk to my sister and send it to the sister. And like, oh, my boss would really dig this. And, That's you know, right. that kind of thing. It's, and again, people I would never be able to get in contact with or, or, doubt I would be able to. Yeah, but you're exactly right. You know, I mean, you and, I, you and I talked about this before and you've heard me say it, you know, I'm on a mission to impact a billion lives in the next 25 years. Yeah. And the reality of it is, is like 99.999% of those will never pay me a dollar. And I'm probably not going to know about 95 to 99% of them. But what <laughs> I genuinely believe is it's like what you just said is exactly the truth, right? If I'm on your podcast or any one of the other 90 podcasts I've been on the last four months or any of the platforms or any of my coaching clients or any of the stages that I speak on, the reality of it is, is any one person in that audience will become a ripple effect for that message. If they pick up one thing and share it with somebody else, that's a part of my billion. And, Absolutely. And, and, and that's the beautiful part about this type of evergreen content. That's amazing. People like you have built platforms to just put a lot of good into the world is we never know all the lives we're going to impact 
but the focus on impacting lives is what keeps us at it. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause that's, that's definitely, as long as we impact one person, it's all worth it. That's right. It makes, that's it right. makes the pain worth it. That's right. Absolutely. All right. So you were talking some more about your story and I know that there's more to it than that. And I, I really want to kind of flesh that out because truthfully, who you are today and the message that you have to share was so enormously impacted by that one event. Mm -hmm. um, break that down for us. I mean, how did you get from, you know, getting hit by the truck and having your left limb severed from your body right. to where you are today? Because I know that's a multi-step process that got you there. Yeah, no, that, that that's a great question. You're exactly right. And you know, it's interesting because it was the one event that stands out most boldly, but there was tons of events between then and now that have shaped right. it. Sure. Um, but there was two other major events and periods of my life that had a pattern and a theme, which okay. has been really interesting to look back on. So I think it'll be really powerful for folks to realize like, look, what we are is really a byproduct of our environments, right? Our conditioning, our emotional triggers, our behavioral patterns and things that happen to us. And then again, how do we choose to extract those things from it? So, you know, accident happens and, and you know, first right out of the gate, right? It's easy to feel sorry for yourself, right? Even sure. as a seven-year-old laying in the bed, I, you know, I was intimately aware of like, wow, like why me? Why did this happen, <laughs> right? And, and that got knocked out of me pretty quickly because as I'm laying in my ICU bed and we have families coming up to us saying, we're so sorry, we're so sorry, what can we do to help? come to find out their kids laying in the bed next to me in the ICU with a terminal illness. And they're not going to know if they're going to live another month. Wow. It, it grounded me pretty quickly. Yeah. Because although I didn't know if I'd ever have my arm actually successfully reattached, it was reattached to that moment, but there was a long journey ahead. Right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know one, if it would remain attached or two, if I'd ever have use or feeling of it, like I do today. I mean, I have full practical function of it yeah. as we sit here today, which is super unique, but you remove that. I had my life. Other than the in initial threats of my life, like I wasn't going to die. And I remember as a seven-year-old that first experience. What that shifted into, though, was I also became very, very aware of, I became the center of attention in a lot of ways that I didn't want to be, right? Oh. Because it was such a unique story, because it was so big, right? There was a lot of focus on me. And I, I didn't realize this until far later, but I found a lot of ways to redirect the attention. Oh. And part of that attention was people layering on me their beliefs of what I was capable of. And I refused to be defined by the boundaries of anybody else. Mm. And so that was a part of where, when I talk about breaking beyond boundaries, living with no limits, like that foundation was set early in life. Well, what happened, right? I, I turned into that and I put up this crusty exterior again, which I didn't realize was crusty at the time. I thought it was just mental toughness, but it was basically to sit there and tell the world, like, I'm good. I'm strong. I can do anything. I can overcome whatever. And I don't need help. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. Right. It served me well for a long time, or at least I thought it did, right? I think that first period of my life, like my emotional intelligence went through the roof. Cause again, trying to redirect attention, you've got to learn to read people and dynamics. So you really understand how to navigate that. Sure. And, um, and so it was great. 20 years old, I'm snowboarding, right? Perfect example of it didn't stop me from anything. Right. And I crash, I go down and I re-break my arm. Ooh. Compound fracture, the bone's sticking out, it, the, the whole works. I went through seven surgeons in a period of 10 months who were all afraid to touch me because of medical malpractice. And my arm literally hung by my side for 10 months because okay. everything they attempted to do to heal didn't heal because the, the anatomy of my arm is different, right? And so yeah. we just knew that. I told them that, but the doctors didn't want to listen. So mm -hmm. ultimately we got fixed there. But what that period of time did for me was it made me realize that the world had bought into my narrative. Okay. It made me realize how par powerful our narratives can be. And what I mean by that is people thought I was good. I was strong. I was capable. I didn't need help. And now I'm in one of the most vulnerable periods of my life and nobody's there to help me because they figured I was good. And I also didn't have the courage to ask for it. And so that whole next period of my life, as I was starting to build my professional businesses in risk management, employee benefits consulting, where I spent 15 years, started to focus really deeply on human connection and vulnerability and authenticity and how to get people to bring their walls down and how to really connect and get in and really be able to help people. And, and that, that again, served me very, very well. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a little further, and there's a whole lot of details that I'm leaving out in the middle, but, but sure. fast forward a little further, and I, I had some other health stuff going on a few years back. We couldn't figure it out. 
Mm. but it rattled me. Like my, I had cognitive dysfunction and brain fog and I had wow. major fatigue. Well, anybody who's known me for more than five minutes knows that my intellect and my energy are two things I identify deeply with as a core part of who I am. Right. <laughs> right. And so, so that rattled me. And I went through seven doctors who literally, it's funny that I had like seven doctors with the prior deal. I have seven with these who all said, you're perfectly healthy. And then I found one that went down a rabbit hole and we uncovered what it was. Okay. So got started, well, we started healing, everything was good. But in that period of time, it really rattled me, caused me to slow down in a way. And I started to feel in a way that I never had. You see, my wife always told me, she's like, Bogart, like, Brian, you don't, you don't feel anything, right? She's like, you just don't. She's like, you don't. And I was always like, it, that would hurt me because I'd be like, no, I do. I feel deeply. Right? right. But what, what I was realizing when this started to take place is I had an experience with my daughter. We played very, very hard. We were having so much fun. We're laying on the couch. She leans over, puts her arm around my neck, leans over, kisses me on the cheek. And she says, daddy, I, I love you. Mm -hmm. And I, I was brought to tears from pure joy. Yeah. And, and the reason that struck me is because I typically have not cried. And by the way, I have no issue with men crying. In fact, I wish I could cry more often. That's just not how I've expressed emotion often. But mm -hmm. in that moment, it made me realize if I'm crying out of pure joy and I'm experiencing the level of joy that I am at a level that I can't experience, I've never experienced, mm -hmm. I'm also not experiencing fear, despair, hurt, pain, or anything in the spectrum. So I'd confined myself mm -hmm. and it made me realize that human connection without emotion wasn't really human connection. Really. It also made me realize that when I shut off physical pain because of my arm, I shut off emotional pain. And sure. had it not been for this entire journey, it would have never come back in. Mm -hmm. So that honestly really shifted the way I viewed the world, the way I interacted with my wife, my kids, everybody in my, my world, my clients, right? And my language shifted from how do you think about that to how do you feel about that and some combination of the both. Right. And what I genuinely believe today, like to my core is mindset and mental toughness are absolutely critical. They're necessary, sure. right? Yep. But that and only that will only get you so far, right? Emotional understanding, connection and feelings, they're absolutely <laughs> critical. And they're necessary, but that in and of itself will only get you so far. Right. The people who truly reach their true potential, the ones who truly understand human connection, the human element, and can really go to the next level with relationships and revenue are the ones that understand the balance between mindset and heart set, intellect and emotions, and can understand which narrative needs to take place in the moment and how to regulate between the two to make sure we understand which one leads. And so that is a big part of where I'm at today and some of the critical moments that really helped in my evolution to be putting me in a position to helping individuals uh, right now. Wow. Uh, listeners, I don't know about you, but I'm just kind of overwhelmed with what Brian is sharing with us. Not overwhelmed in the sense that I can't think, but overwhelmed in the sense that my mind's running a million miles an hour right now of all the things that are flooding in and all the uh, emotions that I felt as you, Brian, we're sharing with us about that um, has actually been my mantra for quite some time that and I want to speak directly to the men who listen to this show. Now, if there are ladies of you, I don't want you to shut this off. All I want you I want you to switch your brain just a little bit to be listening. This is the part I need to pay attention to for the men in my life. So that's what I want you to hear right now. For far too long, men, we have been told we have been fed a lie that says, we don't feel stuff. We're not emotional. That is a female domain. That is a lie. That is crap. That is not true. I would venture to say, and I've had a number of women, including my own mother, who, who agree with this next statement. And that is, we as men tend to be more passionate than women, but we're passionate about one thing at a time. We can't hmm. handle doing more than one thing, but we are, whatever we're into, we are into it in that moment. And if someone brings up a different subject, we step out of that and into the new subject. We might not be passionate about it, but we can't handle being in both. So what I'm telling you guys is it is possible for you to actually experience and feel things beyond I'm tired, I'm mad, I'm hungry. It is possible. If you want to learn more about how to do that, I have an exercise I'd be more than happy to share with you. In fact, I have an episode that I just recorded the other day. So if you're listening to my next solo episode, it should be in there. So just throwing that out for whatever it's worth, everybody. 
I mean, I think that's powerful, John. I, I, you know, I say, if you, if we don't feel, we don't heal. Right. right. And, and, you know, that buys a lot into my whole philosophy as well. Cause again, the world tells us to reduce, eliminate or avoid pain. Mm-hmm. What do men do with emotions? Right. And women do yeah. it as well, but, but I think more often men do it. Right. right? But uh, there's a big portion of our society that's somewhat generational. And a lot of it has to do with gender and identity and all those pieces. But what do we do? We shut it down. We feel the pain. We feel the hurt. We feel like we just, we shove it down and we ignore it. Right. And, and, and I'm telling you the world is wrong because until we learn to embrace those moments, right. Until we can embrace the pain of recognizing that we're stuck and we have some emotional uh, resilience and maturity that we still need to evolve into until we realize that, you know, those moments earlier in life caused us trauma. And until we heal those wounds, we won't be able to feel and move forward. So we have to embrace the pain of finding the people in our lives, whether it's a therapist, a coach, a friend, a mentor, a spouse, that we can find a safe space to really unpack those things, go on that journey. Because until we do, right, we're only going to get so far. Right. And, and, and I think that that's, that's one of those things. Again, I learned, I learned on the backward side of it, probably later in life than I wished I would have. But again, when I, I didn't realize that I wasn't feeling and that I, didn't, I wasn't turning into emotions and I wasn't recognizing these things. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think one of the most powerful things I can see is a man crying and showing genuine emotion. Again, I wish I could show my emotion that way. I, I still don't but I feel it deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love everything you just said. And I just wanted to jump on board and say that because it's, it's critically important. And for us to connect with our spouses, our loved ones, our, anybody in our worlds, that emotional feeling capacity is, is critical. Absolutely. You know, um, one thing I want to offer as an encouragement to you, Brian, and for those of you who feel like you're like Brian and that I'm just not a crier, that's not my thing, that kind of thing. I will tell you, as I have aged, my ability to cry has increased. Yep. Now, part of that also is because there's been tougher stuff that's happened along the way. But uh, I'm sure you've probably seen movies or heard people saying, you know, they watched a commercial and it's like, it's it's not a big deal at all, but something happened, there's some sort of trigger and they just start bawling. Yeah. It'll that's happen. my wife, my wife, my wife on everything. I mean, she sees something and it's waterworks. <laughs> it doesn't happen to me for everything, but it does happen to me well, yeah. much more frequently now than it did when I was your age. Um, I'm 50. So it, uh, it, it will change over time. It's just, yeah, I, I think it will. And I think it's also, I mean, again, it goes back to the awareness and intentionality. As I started to realize feeling coming back in, I also started to realize, right. How much, I wasn't even aware that I was suppressing emotion in those moments, mm-hmm. right? And so now it's evolved significantly that when I feel the emotion come in, I allow myself to feel it. Yeah. Sometimes I feel on the verge of tears and I don't hold back. Like if tears come out, again, I have zero shame in that. Like I'll cry. Yeah. Um, I think that I was conditioned for so long to not cry because I was suppressing, because I wasn't feeling. I agree with you. I think at some point it will become more natural now that I understand the patterning of what my body's telling me and how to express it. Um, And I'll tell you that in the times that I have cried, it's extremely cathartic, right? It allows you to release something. And sometimes like when you just have a buildup of any kind of emotion, a cry, (laughs) a good cry, right? Like I know that kind of sounds a little funny, but like a good cry sometimes can help. That's why sometimes I wish I could do it. I I know I'm on the path to being able to do it. But, um, but, you know, I think for the men and women that are listening, that's one of those things. Once you get in your body, you start to realize sometimes we don't cry because we've trained ourselves not to. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, it's a funny thing about this whole idea of feelings and emotions. When we take those things and we ball them up, and we shove them down into a compartment and we slam the lid on, throw a lock and stop worrying about it. An interesting thing happens. Now, the time frame is different for every person in every situation. However, I will say this, those feelings and emotions every time will find a way out. And many times when they come out, it is volcanic. Yep. You're, you're exactly right. You know, it, it's, this is, this is one of the concepts that we really talk about in this theory of embrace pain to avoid suffering, right? We have to really understand what is pain and what is suffering. In yeah. the world, pain just simplistically is defined as short-term, intermittent, and a direct cause of something, right? Mm-hmm. And alleviates once that direct cause is removed because you heal. Right. What we tend to do is we put clarifying words in front of pain 
to make ourselves feel better, like acute and chronic. Okay. Well, what happens when we put the word chronic in front of pain? It immediately changes the definition. True. Right? Because yeah. anything that's chronic isn't short-term, intermittent, and it persists after that direct cause is removed. So it doesn't heal. That's true. So instead of calling it chronic pain, which makes us intellectually feel better about it, it's really suffering. Okay. Right? And we don't want to admit that suffering exists, particularly when it's a direct result of our choices. But what <laughs> you just talked about is exactly the thing. Right. When we continue to avoid, right. When we continue to avoid the pains that are right in front of us, mm -hmm. we bottle it down. We lock it up in that chest and we put it there. It is inevitable that suffering will exist. Oh yeah. You know, I, like I said, I think I said it earlier, but I believe we almost choose our pain or our suffering will choose us. Yeah. When we look at emotions and feelings and we box it up, we put a lock on it and we shove it down. It's going to come out and it's oh, yeah, going to be far more painful. It will be suffering, not just pain right? That we'll experience in those moments. <laughs> That's happened in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Multiple times, which has helped hone this strategy that we use because when we can recognize those things short-term and turn into them, it allows us to prevent suffering. Yeah, absolutely. So but for a moment, let's, let's talk about this. What do you do uh, when you, ha you have this strategy and you're talking about dealing with the pain and not just ways to work through it so you don't create suffering for yourself. Yep. Um, give us a couple of examples of how you're able to do this, say with both an individual and say either groups or like companies that you work with. Yep. Yep. Now, obviously there's a lot of context that's going to go behind each one of these, but there's really three steps to okay. get people to understand how to turn into this. The first is you've got to acknowledge the suffering you wish to avoid, which sounds a little bad and it's intentional that way, but it's really the counter to... <laughs> which is the counter to getting clear on what's really important to you. When you start with the who, when you start with what, you know, what you're clear on, what you want to accomplish, the path that you want to serve, the goals you want to accomplish, then anything alternative to that is suffering, right? Mm -hmm. so, so there might be individuals who say, look, I really want to be able to travel for two weeks a year with my family internationally and create all these different experiences. Well, if that doesn't happen, it's suffering, right? For dads that are out there, they may say, hey, I want to be able to play basketball or play sports with my kids well into my 60s, mm -hmm. right? Well, if they aren't able to do that, it's suffering. And so what are the pieces then that we've got to really be able to understand is if, if I want to be able to do this well into my 60s, that means I've got to have the health. I have to have like the physical ability. I've got to really be able to put myself in a position. So it starts to become really, really clear. What are the pains that I can embrace along the way to mm -hmm. put myself in the position to be able to do that so I avoid the suffering? But again, it starts with getting clear on what's important. Right. The second step is I'm not suggesting that we put ourselves in pain sake just for pain sake. Right. No way am I saying right. that. But the second step is we've got to identify the pains that we tend to avoid and learn to embrace them. So mm -hmm. I'm going to use a personal example and then I'll use an example that, that I found from someone else last week. Okay. Um, it just so happens actually that today a Bogart's Bullets went live on this topic, getting to the root of what we, of, of our avoidance. Okay. But when we look at this, right? I, because of my body and my anatomy, I don't have a lat on the left side of my back at this point. I don't have a, a tricep. My bicep is my gracilis from my leg. Well, if I don't do the right things, my back pain literally becomes suffering. I mean, it's the point that it's debilitating. So I discovered 12, 15 years ago, I've got to keep myself lean, keep my core strong, eat right, do the things that are important because that'll minimize the suffering, right? It'll be a manageable pain that I can do the things daily. So what did I do? Like what, all, what any of us would do? I went and joined a gym, right? Started working out, it was working well. And then about a month in, I stopped going. Well, I had to ask myself, is it the pain of working out that I was avoiding? Or was it the anxiety I got in that crowded gym? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was the second, right? Yeah. Which again, goes back to what we just talked about a minute ago. It was an emotional block because <laughs> it was actually the anxiety that was keeping me stuck, not the physical activity that I needed to do. Right. So I had to embrace the pain of finding the time, space, energy, money, to build out a home gym so that I could do what was necessary, keep my body moving, do the stuff that I needed to avoid the suffering of my back, right? Yeah. But another real example of this came from a conversation last week. How many people are an entrepreneur, business owner, salesperson, and they've got the anxiety of picking up the phone, right? There's like this, oh, yeah. this proverbial 500 pound telephone when we know that like building relationships, reaching out to people is what's necessary to grow, but so many people tend to avoid it. Mm. Well, in this particular example, when we were talking last week, uh, we unpacked for this individual that it wasn't really the conversations that she was avoiding. It wasn't the new people she was avoiding. It wasn't these things. She had established so much in her life and there was emotional triggers that were tied to this. She was actually afraid of what it would look like if she was successful on the phone. 
Really? Wow. She had failed so many times that she had to reframe, hey, if I'm successful here, that's great. I can be a success. I'm a success in all these other areas. But she literally could not wrap her brain around like what it looked like. And mm. once she understood that and got to the root of it, the pain she was tending to avoid was this fear of success, not actually picking up the phone. So once you can separate and compartmentalize those and really understand that that's what it is, she has no call hesitancy anymore. She can pick up the phone because she realizes it's not about the phone or the conversations or the people or the selling. It has everything to do with this, the fear of success. Oh, okay. Right. So we've got to acknowledge the pains that we tend to avoid and learn to embrace them as critical tools in our path. Excellent. And then the last and third step is we have to understand how to harness this and embrace it as a habit in all areas of our life. The problem is, right, what we all know, and this is why New Year's resolutions fail consistently, is experts in habit formation will show us that there's always an upfront energy tax. But that's how we yeah. view it. We view it as a tax. We view it as a cost. We view it as an expense. But when you are very clear on where you want to go and the suffering you wish to avoid, you're very clear on the steps that you need to get there, the pains that are necessary to your success, and the ones that you need to remove, yeah. right? it becomes a little easier to flip that on its head and say, look, this is an investment in my better future self. Right. And when we start to do this regularly and consistently, it becomes easier. It's not as painful, right? It shifted from 12 to 15 years ago. The idea of getting myself into a workout routine was painful. Now, if I don't work out five or six days a week, which I lean into, enjoy and love and fuels who I am, if mm. I miss it, that's actually more painful than putting in the work of wow. working out, yeah. right? And so when we establish this as a habit, right? Same thing in my wife and my relationship. Mm -hmm. The number of times that my wife and I have to lean in and embrace those difficult moments of having a conversation, calling something out, trying to really seek the other person's perspective so we can build a stronger, healthier relationship, yep. right? It's easier to avoid those things and be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. But to your point, when those compound over time, what happens? One of us blows up. And mm -hmm. then we're in a position where we're suffering for days or weeks as we're trying to rebuild and re reconstruct that relationship. Yep. Right. So now that it's a habit, it's much easier to turn into those moments. So acknowledge the suffering you wish to tend to avoid. Right. And, and learn to embrace it or sorry, acknowledge the suffering you wish to avoid, identify the pains you tend to avoid and learn to embrace it. And then establish as a habit in all areas of your life. Those are the three most basic steps, clearly with a lot of context behind it to help right. people bring this into their lives. Oh man. Uh, listeners. I, I don't know if you're able to get this. What Brian just shared is it truly could be transformational for you in your lives. I mean, truly, and not just your home life or not just how you relate to others in your business life, but just stop thinking of those as two different things, especially for those of you who are entrepreneurs, because our worlds bleed into each other all the time. I mean, they, they just do. And this whole idea, and I know I've said this before, folks, but you really need to pay attention to this. This whole idea of work-life balance is a farce. <laughs> I, like, I like much better what Andre Young talks about. And he talks about having uh, work, home life, harmony. Because yeah. if you're focused on balance, you will be dissatisfied every time because they will never be equally balanced. It will never happen. But you're, you can't you're, you're have my tune, between brother. the two. Yeah, you're singing my tune. I hate the word balance. I actually, I actually have a Bogart's balance on this as well as balance doesn't exist. Yep. I believe in work-life integration. Okay. Right? I also like what, what Andre says, right? Work-life harmony. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's the same thing. Integration and harmony are, are the same. Yes. Um, but it's about recognizing that it's one life. And if we're clear on all the things that are important, we can have a life of alignment and focus on all the areas that we need to and allow it to ebb and flow on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis with intention around where we want to spend our time and energy. Absolutely. And when we have that integration and that harmony going on, it also makes it much easier to see those things or those areas that we need to let go of. It's like, you know what? That does not deserve my attention anymore. Yep. I am done with whatever that happens to be. And that area can also be people in your that's life. Right. That's right. I, you know, that it's exactly in line again with the, the philosophy that we talk about. I, you know, I call that it becomes self-regulating mm. because <laughs> once you're really, really clear on those things, you know, something fits or it doesn't. Yep. Oh yeah. Self-regulating. You don't have to, if you put in the work on the front end on this intrinsic journey, getting clarity on all these things, you just know, mm. you know, when the people, things, situations, actions, behaviors don't fit and you can start to remove them. Absolutely. Folks, once you start to get clarity, you will not be satisfied with anything else. You won't because you'll know exactly who you are, 
what you're supposed to do and how you're going to get there. And if yep. stuff doesn't fit in line with that, it needs to be out of your life. And I know that sounds harsh and I'm not trying to be harsh when I say it. There are graceful ways to let people go. There right. are. So uh, please understand that. In fact, that sounds like a topic for another episode, both solo and someone for me to interview. And I have some folks in mind, but I'll save that for later. All right, Brian, we've, we just touched on it a little bit. So I want to delve into the personal side of stuff now, because yeah. we do talk about relationships and revenue here. So this whole idea of being an entrepreneur and what it's like to be an entrepreneur, how do you integrate that with your home life? Not, not only because we're still in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic sort of thing, but you know, just how does that work in your household? Yeah, so um, it's not easy. Right. I, I'm just going to be really clear and come up in front and say, like, there's lots of things that I do that are extremely successful and I'm very proud of where we are, mm -hmm. but we stumble and fall as a household too. So I start with that because I want people to understand, like, even though I'm here talking about it and I believe in it holistically, that does not mean that I have it perfected by any means. This is a constant evolution. Um, you know, I'm blessed because, because my, my wife, um, you know, the biggest reason that I'm with her from my standpoint is she was the first woman that ever really challenged me. And I don't nice. mean that like other women weren't capable of it, but right, right. just she did, she pushed back. And, mm. and some people will be like, oh really? Like you lean again. So I embraced the pain. Cause I'm like, I love that. Cause I knew I'd be a better version of myself. Yeah. So who you see today is, is a, a direct result of who I am, but also my wife pushing me to be the best version of myself. Mm. And I often say too, that what I get credit for externally in my work and understanding of human behavior and patterns and all these things, 50% of it's myself. Mm -hmm. And my own intuition and my own observations. The other half is my wife helping me see stuff that I normally wouldn't see. And the external manifestation of that's a combination of both of us. And so we, we have a very, very strong partnership. How does that work, right? It, it's challenging, but it's also about a crazy level of communication mm -hmm. and understanding on what does this partnership look like? And it's not just how do I go build this business and be free and fulfilled and impact lives but how is my wife able to make herself the best version of herself? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And how do we constantly evolve and push each other to not get stuck, to constantly evolve and, and push through this? The reason I'm on the path I'm on today, I've been in the entrepreneurial world for 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, but a year and a half ago, my wife said, basically after a great weekend, we went away emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, we connected on all levels and we're, we're driving in. She goes, how would you feel if you didn't have to go to the office on Monday morning? Now she was talking about my risk management employee benefits consulting business. And I looked over at her and I said, it's a pretty loaded question. Why don't you tell me more? She said, well, I think, <laughs> you let this, I think you let this last health issue allow fear to enter into your world in a way I've never seen it. And you've convinced yourself that we need the money. We need the status. We need the prestige. We need the security that has come from this business. She said, I'm here to tell you that we don't. Mm. She said, I also think that every day you spend an insurance, you're dying a little bit inside. And she said, and I don't care if we're living in a cardboard box. What I care most about is that you're happy, free, and fulfilled. And she said, I don't think you're even scratching the surface of your potential. And I know you're not having the impact on the world that you want. So she said, there's not another person on this planet I would put as big of a bet on as I would with you. We took a bet on you once. It paid off. If you're wanting to, let's double down on that bet and let's go see what you can do in terms of impact. Okay. And I'm starting to cry right now listening. It's to not lost on me the courage that it took for her to call me out when she saw that I wasn't happy, that I wasn't fulfilled, that I was doing something because I was concerned about how it would impact my family, how it would actually, right? Like, was I going to be exposing them from a security standpoint, from a freedom standpoint? And it is not lost on me the courage it took for her to realize that, hey, we may have to uproot what we're doing for a little while to go actually see where this can take us. And so I share that story because that came from a position of trust, understanding, communication. That was a few years into marriage counseling. We've got two special needs kids. We went a few years back and got ahead of it. We were in a good spot, but we were like, look, we have a lot of noise coming at us. There's a lot going on in business. There's a lot going on in life. And we've got these two little kids that are putting a pressure on our marriage in a way that if we don't find intentional time to build <laughs> on this, we're going to lose who we are as a couple because it's easy to get mixed up in the rat race. Now, let me talk about some things that we do regularly and consistently. And I'll be very, very clear, right? Again, I just had a conversation last week that my wife brought, was brought to tears because 
we're still figuring out the boundaries of, of integration in all areas of our life. And yeah. there's moments that we feel that, right? But despite all that, my wife over COVID, we, I sent her away, we sent her away for one to two nights, at least once a month to get 24 to 48 hours, 100% by herself to focus on what she needed to do because she carries so much weight for our kids, for yeah. me, for our family. And sure. she deserves that at a minimum, right? Um, once a quarter, the two of us go away for a minimum of one night. If we can get two, we do, because that is our opportunity to reconnect and recalibrate as a couple consistently. Mm -hmm. yeah. We also, no questions asked, take a minimum of two weeks a year, often a lot more than that. And we schedule six months out a week block. And when I do that, I, everything is shut off. I'm a hundred percent with my family, a hundred percent where they are. And we build lots of momentum in doing that. We actually do a three day weekend every month as well, where we go camping. And the reason I'm telling you all these things is if my home life is not good, if my relationship is not good, I can't do what I do in the world. Mm. I am so deeply connected to my wife at the soul that if we're not strong, I feel it, right? If my, if my relationship health, if my, my marriage health, if my father health is not up here, my business health can't be up here. Mm. And I just know that because you feel the pressure of it. And so there's moments that we experience, but we do stuff like no questions asked on all of these kind of self-care and connection and experience related things as a family, because without those, nothing else is worth it. That's right. And so it's, you know, and again, we, we are at a place where we understand the division of duties in our household, what that looks like. How do we help each other? How do we support each other? Right. And COVID was hard because two special needs kids, remote learning, my wife was carrying an even heavier burden and some of her self-care right? It was more difficult for us to find. So I'd jump in and be like, go do yoga on the weekends, right? Now that they're back in school, she's doing some stuff three to four days a week to get herself back into routines. Good. And right. I'm like, go run. That's what you need to do, right? The reality of it is, and she said this to me the other day, I have a two and a half hour morning routine every single day where I literally hit mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. I, I meditate, I stretch, I get body movement, I physically work out, I prep for the day, I journal, I do all these things. And I think a lot of people look at that and they're like, well, that's, that, that's really selfish of you. My wife said it really, really clear the other day. She said, I like literally love that you do that every single day because it's what allows you to show up for us and for other people in the world. Because when you're strong, when you're grounded, when you're centered, like you do all these things. And she also knows that I'm sacrificing by getting up at 4 a.m. to try to impact people as little as possible, but to do that in a place where I can be good. If we didn't communicate, if we didn't invest the time, if we didn't embrace the pain of going to see a, a marriage counselor and have done that consistently for the last few years, we might be suffering right now. Um, we're not, we're better than we've ever been. But I also want to acknowledge because we're better than we've ever been, those little hurdles that we run into, they don't bring us down as far. Oh my gosh. Uh, wow, I, I feel like clapping right now. Um, uh, listeners, first of all, you need to know, Brian sharing some amazing things with you and he and his wife are doing some fantastic things, which I definitely, I applaud. Thank uh, you. Good for you guys. Seriously. That's amazing. And also listeners, in case you thought I was crazy about some of the things that I've said in the past about ways to make your relationships better at home. And if they aren't right at home, they aren't going to be right in your businesses. And if you don't happen to own your own business, you're a salesperson, you work for somebody else, you work for a large corporation, you still can't be the best that you can be if you don't have things right at home. See, I'm not the only one saying it. So I just wanted to make sure everybody <laughs> knows that. I believe in that adamantly into my core. And the reason we're where we are is because we've screwed up along the way. Yeah. We've gotten out of, we've gotten out of integration. We've gotten out of alignment. Yeah. I've gone way too far in one direction, right? And, and it's really hurt my wife and my kids. I'm, I, I'm just here to tell you, I've screwed up majorly right in the past. And so where we are, again, is I was able to be aware of the lessons I could extract from those experiences. And now I'm being intentional to make sure they don't repeat themselves. Absolutely. And I want to tell you what, uh, what an amazing woman you are married to. It's and not just, lost on me. And yeah. just the insight that she has on not just who you are, but what is necessary for you, your relationship with her, and your family dynamic in order to make it the best that it can be. I mean, yeah. that's huge. It, it's huge. not lost on me, John. Like, honestly, I count my blessings oh my every single day. Um, she, she really is my other half. I mean, she, she is my partner in everything we do. Um, and so it's not lost on me. Thank you for acknowledging that because she deserves a lot more credit than sometimes she gets.
Absolutely. Um, one other thing I want to mention, and you hinted at it before, you were talking about just <clears throat> kind of how you got to where you are and the insights that you have and the abilities that you have related to emotional intelligence and understanding people and all those dynamics. You've mentioned 50% of you and 50% coming from your wife because she has some unique, um, we'll say insights. She does. And, and I'm going to broaden that out. Uh, gentlemen, for those of you who, um, whatever your female connections are in life, if that's a wife, if that's a girlfriend, if that's a mom, a sister, an aunt, whatever those connections are, lean into those. Because there is something, this is my belief, I'm not putting this on anybody else, I will say it's mine. I believe that God designed women, they have keen and special insight into people. They understand things that we as men, we just can't. We don't have it. And they, the good ones will share that with us to make us better. Because I can tell you, I mean, I can't even count how many times the significant women in my life have shared things with me that have kept me from making major, major mistakes. And just like, that's not a person you should trust. I, you know, I don't know if that's something we should do, or, you know, that actually looks like a good opportunity. You really should consider that or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a wise statement, John. Absolutely. So you've really shared a ton with us today, Brian, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, before we get to our final four, which we do with all of our guests, how can folks find you connect with you? Cause I know there's gonna be people, people who are saying, Oh my gosh, this guy, Brian, I, I got to figure it. He either has to come speak or virtually speak for me, or I, I'm dying to have him as my coach. How can we connect with you? Yeah, so the best place is go to brianbogert.com. Um, there's a ton on there that includes a lot of free content. So it's not just a, oh, yeah. a total sales website. Um, you know, I said before, I'm, I'm on a mission to impact a billion lives over the next 25 years and 99.99999 will never pay me a dollar. And so the reality of it is I put a lot of free content out there to truly have impact. Um, it is on the main page on my website, but there, I'm also going to give you the link just in case. I do have a free resource for everybody as well. Oh, nice. It's called the No Limits Prelude. And you can go to nolimitsprelude.com. It's a succinct packaged form of a lot of our coaching philosophies that are pared down into a really small format to give you some of the probing questions to ask yourself, to take yourself on this intrinsic journey and get clarity and start to learn the pains that you need to embrace in those things. So, um, but website's really a, a great landing place for all social, all content, a lot of stuff is there. So, um, and I would, I would just genuinely like to help anybody I can. Sweet. All right, listeners, we'll be sure to include that in the show notes for everybody to get. So especially those of you who are, on a treadmill, outside running, in your car. Please wait. Look at the show notes. Don't need to write it down right now. <laughs> All right, Brian. We're going to get to our final four. Are you ready? Let's do it, brother. All right. All right. Question number one. Why did God create Brian? To reduce the suffering in the world for other people so that joy, freedom, and fulfillment can exist. Nice. Love that. Nice and succinct, right in line with who you are and where you're headed. Love that. Question number two. What are you reading or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Um, I Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Um, okay. It's the third time I've actually read it. Uh, it's, she is a huge advocate around, and probably the world's leading researcher around shame. Mm. Um, I'm actually leading a men's group on the discussion right now, and it's, okay. uh, it's phenomenal. But I read a book a week. So you, 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 you could ask me that question tomorrow, and it'll be a different answer. But that's, <laughs> that's what's top of mind for me. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Number three, what's your favorite thing to do with your wife? <laughs> Anything where we get some alone time. <laughs> okay, that works. Like man. literally, I I, I, honestly, she and I find joy in those moments uh, where she and I have the opportunity to just be 100% focused on each other. Okay. I don't care what the activity is. That's, that's my favorite time. Gotcha. Uh, same question, but with the family. Favorite thing for you to do with your family? Uh, I like creating experiences and typically through some sort of like physical nature. So we do a lot in camping. Uh, we, we try to get out in nature wherever possible, whether it's bodies of water, ocean, woods. Uh, we like, we like just bringing movement and connection back into the world. So um, that, that's the stuff I like is getting, getting our family outdoors and doing stuff physical together. It's, it's a blast. Very cool. And final question. What are you most grateful for? <laughs> 
That's a really good question. It's hard to answer because there's a lot I'm grateful for, but I'm going to tell you. You, you can give me a top three if that's easier. Um, I, I'm, I, I'll give you top three. Okay. Um, I, I am extremely grateful uh, for my wife. I'm extremely grateful for my family because without any of those people, I wouldn't be who I am or where I am today, period. But if I look at a singular moment in my life, I actually am most grateful for my original accident mm. because it has given me a perspective and humility that I wouldn't possess otherwise. Mm. And it has given me the ability to fulfill the answer to the very first question you asked me, which is the amount of pain and suffering I've endured, I believe is to allow me to carry that burden and eliminate that in other people's lives. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Listeners, what, what Brian just shared with you really is he's saying, our pain is not for ourselves. Our pain is actually for other people. <laughs> As we go through it, our pain, if we allow it, it can become our purpose. And to take it a step further, it can in also in turn become our platform. Yeah, that's exactly what you have done, Brian, and very well. I yeah, know. thank you. And, and I often say as well, to flip, flip your words just a little bit, because I okay. say it slightly differently. I yeah, agree, please. pain can help us find our purpose, but I also believe that purpose can, if it's big enough, can help us overtake the pain. Purpose okay. overtake pain. When it's big enough, it allows us to push through those moments and embrace the pains necessary, mm. which also, by the way, leads towards a platform to being able to help other people. So, absolutely. Well, listeners, you were given quite a treat today. Uh, Brian was very open and honest, uh, real and raw with us today. And I am very thankful for that. Brian, I'm thankful for you and for who you are and for the things that you're doing in the world. I am thankful for your wife and the woman that she is and the challenges that she puts in front of you to help you get better. Because as she helps you get better, you help us get better. That's right. That's right. So please thank her for me and from us. I will. I will. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for all the good you're putting into the world and for the platform that you've created to help people learn and grow together. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in today. It's been an honor to spend time with you and to be able to share Brian Bogert with you. And so what I ask you all to do is, of course, ratings and reviews. We love those. But uh, definitely check out Brian and what he's doing. Uh, go check out some of the other podcasts that he's been on. He's easy to find wherever you look for him. Because uh, he's, as he's mentioned, he's been on a bunch in the last four months. So go check him out, see what he's doing, and figure out ways that you can, in turn, make a difference in your world. So thanks so much, everybody, for listening today, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.